This week on a very special mini-sode of Body Counts and Beer, we're discussing our favorite Sean Bean deaths. Hello and welcome to a spoilerific mini-sode of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosendahl. I'm Patrick Bromley. And it turns out Luke Skywalker cut himself off from the Force because he doesn't want to be a Jedi anymore. It's me, Jonathan Rooney Taylor. Whoa! For some reason, that was the first spoiler that popped into mind. Last Jedi, you guys. Good, he, good Star Wars. Did Great he, Star Wars. Did yeah. he join another weird religious cult? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's a Hare Krishna. <laughs> nice. Luke Skywalker's <laughs> handing out cheap, shitty flowers. At Hell the yeah! Airport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Not you give him, if you tip him five dollars, you get a little chain of beads. Ooh, that's my favorite part of the Beatles Get Back documentary thing. In the first episode, George Harrison shows up and just sitting in the corner is like one of his Hare Krishna buddies, and they're like, "Who's that, George?" And he's like. It's just my friend, a Hare Krishna guy. And they're like, okay, cool. And then, like, way later, you don't hear see anything else. But in the last episode, Ringo shows up. And he's got, like, this bouquet of flowers. <laughs> and they're like, where'd you get those from, Ringo? And he's like, one of George's Hare Krishna <laughs> friends. <laughs> they're like, oh, oh you guys, you friends with them? He's like, mm, I think they're a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, Ringo. Man, it fucking blows my mind that they're trying to do an IMAX release of the uh, rooftop concert. Mm. That thing was shot in like 16 millimeter. <laughs> you can't they're make gonna that stretch out. it. <laughs> I mean, to be, I, I mean, if you've watched the like remaster footage of it, it looks real good. Yeah, well, Peter Jackson can take any shitty footage and turn it into an IMAX. Yeah, no, movie. It, it in the documentary Get Back, it looks amazing because it's on a television and you have been watching. Watching four hours of like not great 16 millimeter. Sure. Yeah. You know, I cannot fucking imagine that on a like, what is that, like a seven story tall screen that an IMAX is supposed uh, to be? What, what are the. I mean, yeah, you're probably talking like 70 something feet wide, probably 50 feet tall, be yeah. my guess. Yeah. That's yeah. gotta look like garbage. Also, the concert, it turns out they play like. Three songs, four times. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's, it's not a great concert. Well, uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, hot off the heels of last week's full episode where we discussed Patriot Games, starring one Sean Bean. This week, we are going to discuss our favorite Sean Bean deaths. You know Sean Bean. He's that guy what's always dying in movies. There are multiple YouTube videos documenting them all. It's a very popular thing that people talk about a lot. That Sean Bean always dies in a movie. You see Sean Bean? Except for Jupiter Ascending. And uh, isn't he Francis McDormand's husband briefly in North Country? I don't know. I ain't never seen that movie. <laughs> what are you talking I think about? He is. I think he is. I think he lives. North Country? <laughs> yeah, it's the one where Charlize Theron is a poorly treated, largely abused coal worker? No, nickel mine or something in Wisconsin, and she's fighting for the right for ladies to mine nickel, and then yeah, Francis no. McDormand gets cancer. Stop making thing. up movies. No, no, no. Well, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got the name wrong, though. It's called Atomic Blonde. No, that's not right. Yeah. Yeah, John Goodman's in that, too. <laughs> Anyways, so we're gonna we're gonna all talk about our favorite Sean Bean deaths. We're gonna go around the horn. Patrick, we'll start with you. What's your favorite Sean Bean death? Oh, I'm definitely going the death of Boromir in Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. And the reasons are 
Uh, there's a lot of great killing in that movie, but when you get to that ending fight and the uh, big orakai breaks out the compound bow for the first time that you see it, and he shoots this like harpoon into Sean Bean's <laughs> chest, and Sean Bean's like, "Fuck, harpoon in the chest!" And then he keeps like cutting guys to death with his sword, and then he gets another one, and it's like, "Oh, I got two harpoons in the chest!" And then he keeps cutting guys to death with his sword, and then it's that third harpoon in the chest, and then there's the sour sweet music, and he kind of kneels down. And then it's over for Sean Bean. He took three harpoons in the chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think my favorite part of Sean Bean in that movie is when he has uh, the shards of the sword and he runs his finger across it. Still sharp. Which is a callback to a series of razor blade commercials he used to do. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Which, like, all right. Thanks, interesting choice. <laughs> The uh, I, I love the Boromir's death in Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. It's such a great sequence because he's been this like shitty shithead like the entire time. Yeah, and like it's because because he is a under the influence of his shitty father, and, and also under the influence of the 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 Ring of Power, right? Yeah. Uh, and so when he finally like breaks free of that and realizes like. What a shithead he's become when he tries to murder Frodo for the ring. <laughs> uh, that scene of him like trying to just like he's like, if I can't save Frodo, I'll save Merry and Pippin. And like, it's an amazing like f- like a it's amazing like fight sequence like action sequence, but oh, yeah. also a really great acting job. You yeah. see it all on Sean Bean's face. He's doing like amazing work there. Like, fighting dudes off, blowing his big horn and shit. <laughs> right. Oh, it's awesome. And it's yeah. such a, oh, it's such an affecting death. I mean, that first movie has the best action in all of that trilogy. Not in terms of scale, because I think the bigger those movies go, the more boring the action becomes. Even though, like, on paper, the Battle of Helm's Deep and the Battle of Pelennor Fields feels like it should be incredible it just get it just goes on so long and gets so big that it's hard to like emotionally engage with it but like in that first movie it's all small little like five on six fights you know yeah. they are contained and like yeah you really get the actors get a chance to really like provide an emotional arc to each of the fights as they happen well yeah. like this movie like that doesn't have like like you know like I love the Helm's Deep sequence I think it's awesome but, but like it's loaded it, with jokes. Well, I think it it starts awesome and it has a great payoff, but the middle is just so like it just drags to me. You know I mean, what I mean, I, I mean, I, I respectfully disagree. I love that whole sequence, but the one thing that Fellowship really has over it is that like you're not dealing with the like thousands of like CGI like army things going on. It's all just like dudes. Yeah. So like, there's that scene when like. When you have that moment where uh, uh, Aragorn and Frodo like have their last goodbye, when Aragorn re- realizes that Frodo's leaving, and he's like, "Fucking go, I got you," but like, yeah. I would have followed you to the end. And then he turns around, and there's like a hundred orcs, like just like cresting the horizon, and he's like, "All right, I guess I have to kill all these guys myself." <laughs> right? And yeah. he fucking does. <laughs> Yeah, well, I love when he just, like, swats a dagger out of the air. Which is a thing he did in real life. Yeah. Because the... Because the stunt went wrong, and yeah. he didn't have time to get out of Dodge, so he's like, fuck it. Swag. Yeah. Oh, so good. Great pick, Patrick. Yeah. Well, yeah. John, favorite Sean Bean death? 
Uh, Goldeneye, 007 Boy, Jamesy Bond, Sean Bean plays 006. We did an episode about it. Go listen to it. Or don't. I don't care. It's probably not that great. We were we were still in what was that like three apartments ago? Uh, one apartment ago. Yeah, I was looking through, and we've been doing this like six years here, guys. Yeah, te- yeah. You know yeah. what? What's really crazy now that you mention it? Technically, this should be the Podversary special. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I didn't even think I'd known you guys as long as we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. well. I mean, we did it largely so that our wives didn't have to be subjected to all of this talk. Yes. No. The podcast is quarantine conversation. Yes, yep. absolutely true. Yep, um, and to the point where if I start boring my wife, she'll tell me, save it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair. Yeah, fair. Fair. Uh, but yeah, uh, GoldenEye 007, uh, probably my, I, one of my favorite James Bond movies. Yeah. Definitely up there. Uh, I think Pierce Brosnan gets short shrift because he ended on Die Another Day, which is uniformly terrible. Yes. (laughs) But, like, there's some solid stuff going on in the Pierce Brosnan years. The first two Bond movies are real... His Pierce Brosnan Bond movies are real solid. And the third one's got its moments. See, I think that The World Is Not Enough, the first half of it, is the best James Bond movie. Mm -hmm. But then when... What was it? uh, Fucking Christmas Jones? Yes, Denise Richards. When she enters in, it just completely derails all of the emotional stakes of it because the whole journey of James Bond is predicated on I actually fell in love with this woman and she turned out to be the mastermind of this grand scheme. I don't know how to deal with this. Don't worry there's a cute girl there for me to have sex with. We're fine. Yeah. It it just takes a lot of the... Like Denise Richards is fine in that movie. She is a very good Bond girl but like the inclusion of that character derails a lot of like the momentum that movie had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Uh, but GoldenEye is the movie that we're actually talking about. Uh, what I like about it is that Sean Bean dies, but also you can't keep a good Sean Bean down. Because <laughs> that dude gets blowed up. He gets shot in the face, blowed up real good in like the opening pre-credit sequence. Yes. Yeah. That's not enough to take him down. He then, in the climactic fight, gets, like, beaten the shit out of by James Bond. I think maybe stabbed or, like, scraped with a knife a couple of times. Then dropped off of the, like, antenna of this gigantic satellite dish. Lands right on his back. Still not dead. (laughs) The satellite dish has to explode and the antenna has to go straight into his goddamn mouth. (laughs) Like he's a fucking vampire. Like... Sean Bean's probably actually still alive at the end of that movie, but he's been, like, staked to into place so that he cannot move and wreak his havoc across Europe. <laughs> oh, so you haven't seen uh, No Time to Die yet, because he totally comes back with a hole throughout the back of his ass. Oh, shit! <laughs> and he's like, I didn't have any time to die, Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig's like, wait, are we in continuity with the other movies? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Again, you haven't seen No Time to Die yet. because No, because I don't have fucking four hours for a James Bond movie. <laughs> well, John, you missed the part in the, in the movie where Q reveals the existence of the multiverse and he starts like bringing in all the other bonds so he brings in <laughs> uh, uh, fucking Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore also, Sean Connery yeah, yeah. George Lazenby to be fair, Timothy Dalton to be fair yeah Timothy Dalton is actually there the other three guys are 
crass digital creations. <laughs> yeah, no, at one point one of them is accidentally Grand Moff Tarkin because they loaded the wrong <laughs> yes. file. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One of them is just Max Hedrum. Yeah. <laughs> the best Bond. Yep. One of them is a Mark Hamill stand-in with a digitally imposed Mark Hamill face and a digitally recreated Mark Hamill voice that just... Oh boy, it's real unsettling. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, all right. Goldeneye, man. Yeah, Goldeneye. Oh, that's a good one. They do have to kill the crap out of Sean Bean and Goldeneye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, favorite Sean Bean death? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, his death uh, as uh, uh, Ned Stark uh, in, in Game of Thrones. And one of the things I love about it is not that it's like a particularly like, you know, cool death, but it's Game of Thrones. Like if you went into it, like either like reading the book or just the show, the whole show was up. I was going to sell you right down the river. <laughs> okay. So my microphone came unplugged, but I'm back. So, uh, what I love about, uh, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, is, is especially that first season is the whole season. It's a Ned Stark show. Like, yes, you follow Tyrion, yes, you follow Jon Snow, and, you know, Cersei, and, and Jaime, and all of that. But it is the Ned Stark Batman show. Ned Stark is trying to solve this royal <laughs> intrigue. Who killed his friend Jon Arryn? Uh, it's clearly the Lannisters. The Lannisters are fucking each other. It's messed up. And he keeps, like, digging and digging and digging. And you think when you get to the end, like, he's going to fucking solve this shit, and he's going to walk away. Well, yeah, he gets sentenced to death because he has successfully solved the mystery. And he has been shown to be a good and honorable man. Yes. Who stands up for his principles. And that is always rewarded in these kinds of stories. Right. And particularly, like, he is sentenced to execution. And the entire time you're like, he keeps being given an out of just like, look, just like, say that you made a mistake. And like, you can go back to your kingdom and like... You'll be a vassal state, but you'll be fine. And he's like, no, I can't do that. I'm too principled. And then even the, like, uh, uh, Lena Headey's character. Cersei. Cersei. Even she is like, hey, Joffrey, what if instead of killing him, we just send him to the wall with Jon Snow and he just has to take the black and, like, he's still out of the intrigue, but we don't have to kill him. And he's like, no. No, he's obviously dead. Because he keeps saying no to all of the outs that we have given him. Yeah. <laughs> he has to die now. And he does. He Well, and that's the thing is, at the end, he does eventually con- like confess his crimes. He does finally take their out to save his family. Because they tell him, you're going to go to the ball, your daughter's still going to marry Joffrey, but like you won't have anything to do, but we'll let you live. Because you are friends with the king, right? And he does it. And then Joffrey's like, well, that's great, but you're still a traitor. And then they cut off his fucking head. Jeez. And what's cr- what I love about it is that, like, most shows or movies would, like, cut away. And, like, you wouldn't see it. But you just see his head get cut off. Oh, sure. And it falls off. And then it rolls away. Yeah. And then, like, the next episode, it's up on a spike. Like, covered in tar. And birds are picking at it. Jeez. And Joffrey's like... Yeah, look at that, Sansa. That's your dad's head. I'm going to make you kiss it. He's a real piece of shit. I mean, his name's Joffrey. Right? Like, come on. He didn't have a chance, really. Come on. Yeah. Uh, But he's really... Yeah, Sean Bean is like a really great actor who just (laughs) happens to keep getting roles where he dies. Gets murdered all the time. 
Oh, well, that's gonna... Any uh, other honorable honorable mentions Sean Bean deaths? I don't know. The only other one I can think of is Equilibrium, which uh, I'm still deeply embarrassed that I ever considered yeah. it better than the first Matrix. Fair. And yeah. you should be. Yeah. yeah. I was wrong and stupid in high school. That's tough. It is. That's tough. It is. Hey, at least they didn't make Equilibriums 2 and 3 that were both worse. Yeah, that's true. Oh, but, oh, but uh, the director did make that fucking weird... Kind of vampire movie. Oh, which uh, one? Ultraviolet. Yeah, yeah, uh, with uh, with um, um, Mia Jovovich. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, that poor lady had to be in so many shitty, shitty, shitty action horror movies. Got to, got, got to. to. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, I'm pretty sure she was married to the director of those movies. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the answer is chose to. Yes. <laughs> All right. I do fucking love when out of nowhere they just decide to dump all of the lore from the video games into like the fifth movie. Yep. Yeah. Suddenly Wesker's there. Suddenly uh, Chris and Jill have like, oh, well, they've always been a thorn in my side, these two. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? We've never even met these people. Oh, well, that's going to do it for this mini-sode of Body Counts and Beer. Happy six podversary special, hey, guys. Yay, we did it. Six of them. Oh, nice. anyways, my life. <laughs> I, my, my life. No, oh, you did <laughs> it. Oh, we'll see you next time. I can't believe they made a fucking second Borat movie. It's pretty good. I can't believe that. That's fine, yeah, but it was. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it. That's what they said about the first one. Yeah. It was pretty good. No. Body Counts and Beer is Patrick Bromley, John Rooney Taylor, and Mark Rosenthal. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts from. Follow us on Twitter at BodyCountCast or email us at BodyCountsAndBeer at gmail.com. Also, six years down, six more to go. That's not a promise. It's a threat.